This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharif Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. Late Monday evening on the 20th of June, the Yeovil market was burnt down. Witnesses claimed to have seen a group of men carrying petrol bombs shortly before flames were seen coming from the market. The anti-foreigner group Dudulu have denied responsibility, but they had previously threatened to burn the market down and drive non-South African traders out. DRC Congolese-born, pan-Africanist and human rights activist, Juan Boisa, visited the market next morning. The organization that he chairs, The Rights to Live Africa, aims to foster social cohesion among the Congolese civil society in the diaspora and worldwide. He also works with foreigners from around the continent. I'm delighted to have Juan as my guest now. Juan, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much for welcoming us on your wonderful platform. Juan, um, you were born in the DRC. Um, you've had quite, um, I would say, a traumatic life, but you are now based in South Africa and you do a lot of work with xenophobia and in terms of helping refugees. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that work? Well, um, the work started in the midst of uh, 2007, uh, basically uh, three years after I had arrived in South Africa and noticing the plight in which my countrymen and countrywomen were living in uh, with uh, asylum seekers that were sometimes uh, 10 years or 15 years since they had arrived in this country. And I took upon myself to interrogate why somebody would be living on an asylum seeker for so many years. So we started going to the UNHCR in Pretoria and discovered that uh, many of those officials that were at the UNHCR were from the Rwandan nationalities or eastern side of the continent. Rather, and we know what is prevailing with Congo that has been in conflict for so many years since 1994. So we started challenging the UNHCR, but we did not uh, win. Uh, so in 2011, 2012, from 2010 in fact, uh, we had the Congolese that were arrested in uh, Yeovil uh, for no reason uh, apparently, but we understand that it was for political reasons due to the fact that the government was conniving with Joseph Kabila who was the then president and we took upon ourselves then the right to live Africa was not yet existing uh, so it was the individual my family that were to uh, help the community to be together so that we could raise the fund and uh, our country people and countrymen would not be deported back to the Congo and we succeeded in that from 2011 to 2016 when the other arrest occurred in front of our own embassy in Pretoria. We did the same and uh, 2018 we had the, the xenophobic attack in Zirest in Northwest where I had to travel again in Zirest and rescue 12 members that were victims of xenophobia there, nearly burnt in the, the hills and we brought them here in Johannesburg where we accommodated them, accommodated them for about six months and that's where Right to Live Africa was nearly born since 2016 but we managed to say let's have an organization 
and a foundation that will be able to serve our people, our brothers and sisters from the Congo. But today it's no longer about the Congo only or the Congolese. We have in our organization people that are from Mali, Togo, Zimbabwe that have joined and are happy to be with us and sharing what we call Ubuntu. Yes, you, you speak a lot about, and I've read what you've written about humanitarianism and your desire to help pan-Africanism, etc. What did you see when you went to the market? What happened and what it was? what is your relationship with the yoga market? Well, my relationship with the Yovel market, it's uh, we have members of Right to Live Africa that are members of uh, our community and that are also vendors at the Yovel market. But more likely, the Yovel market started with uh, uh, migrant communities that started that Yovel market, even though it was built by the South African government. But the South African that are there, uh, started selling the stalls to the migrants who occupied them. And the food that we sell there, it is the food that comes from the rest of Africa, Nigeria, Congo, Zimbabwe, uh, that is exotic foods that people would prefer to eat so that they can remember and be reminiscent of their own uh, food savour in their countries. So it's not that... Uh, you're going to buy South African food, but mainly exotic food. And uh, the people that are there are our sisters, our mothers, our aunts, that are trying to survive, to meet the dead men. And we must understand the fact that South Africa, even though they give asylum seeker, which is written, section 22, which is written, you may work and uh, study, but that's only on the paper. So the people are integrated in the society, but they are not provided with the jobs. So the people there, the mothers and the sisters and the fathers, they are creating their own employment so that they would survive and uh, be able to fend for themselves, help their children go to school, as well as have a roof on top of their head. And it was really, really devastating to see I have a cousin there that is an aunt for me, who lost all her goods that she had purchased a week before the incident happened. So it is our brothers and sisters that are there, because for me, we are all interconnected. We are all brothers and sisters in, in this humanity, and we need to help one another. Juan, you speak about a migrant community in Yeovil, and just um, many of our community lived in Yeovil, myself included. So I think it's important to state that Yeovil has always been one of those little suburbs that has welcomed itself to immigrants coming to South Africa. And it has been since I think it's, you know, it started as a little suburb in the mining town of Johannesburg then. So I think people feel quite emotionally attached to Yeovil and understand what the need of that market is. What is the situation at the moment? The situation at the moment, and first and foremost, I would, I would like to underline the fact that uh, we must appreciate and show our gratitude to a wonderful woman, um, Glyn Woolman from the Angel Network, equally to the Jewish Board of Deputies that uh, helped us provide food and um, uh, parcels uh, ample to those uh, mothers so that they could sustain themselves for a month. Um, the situation at the moment is uh, really, really uh, pathetic because they lost everything. There's winter, they haven't rebuilt 
the market as yet and they are still s selling in the streets. Eventually, they are lucky because they can't chase them from the streets like they're doing elsewhere throughout Johannesburg because they know that part of the, the market has been destroyed. So what we are doing, and um, tomorrow on Saturday, we're trying to raise funds so that they could rebuild um, the, the roof that was destroyed and the stalls. And also, one of the things that the mothers were crying is mainly the fact they can't sell, their kids are not going to school, it's to get the uh, school fees, food and rental, because in the way they were selling at the stalls, that's not the same way they are selling in the streets. They can't have the big load of food that they had to sell, so they just have a portion and it's quite traumatic for them. Uh, we will have a meeting on this Saturday at uh, the parish, the St. Francis Parish in Yeovil, where we're going to try to find the solution, how we will tackle it legally with Siri lawyers for human rights and many other members of the community that will be there. And the mothers of the uh, market were there last Saturday. They will be there this Saturday as well, so that we find the solution together. Uh, what I liked is uh, the fact that the South African um, vendors that were there, they are really supportive brothers and sisters that are migrants. They say they are brothers and sisters. What happened to one happened to the other. And uh, that is what is important for us, is that they find that they are one community, one family that need to support one another. Joan, it is very encouraging to hear that kind of solidarity between uh, people who are all, I'm, I'm sure, affected. I'm sure the, the burning down of the market not only affects those who are migrants, but those who are South Africans as well. What is the relationship between the different African diaspora groups here? Um, I know you're involved and there are other diaspora organizations. Do you work closely together? Yes, we do work closely together, mostly uh, like recently with the xenophobic attack that occurred since Natla Lex launched his Dudula operation. We know Actions of Africa and many other anti-immigrant uh, people. So we also as uh, migrants, but not only migrants, I think it is also being led by phenomenon and uh, iconic people that are fighting for justice. Uh, I would say Pastor Nigel, Pastor Dale, who are South Africans, but who understand that we can't live in isolation. And South Africa can't surely live in isolation. Because if today the Lesotho people were to say we're not going to provide water to Johannesburg, that will be the end of it. If today Congo would say, let me cut the equatorial forest, no one will breathe here. So the world is interconnected. And for us, it is evident that we need to be together. The Zimbabwean, I'm in a group with the Zimbabwean, I'm in a group with South African, I'm in WhatsApp group, wherever you'll find, I'll find my name. So Kopanang Africa, has brought several organizations together from African migrants. The African Diaspora Forum are inside with us, and we're all trying to find solutions to all these bylaws, because it's one thing to understand that there's anti-migrant um, sentiment, but there's also one thing to understand that as migrants, we also need to uphold the laws and the principles of South Africa. And in so doing, we need to educate 
uh, our people in understanding how to live in a foreign country. And we've got a group such as Edutainment that try to educate the migrant people through a variety of uh, activities, uh, let be um, that sports or uh, leisure time, so that we can understand each other, the South African and the migrant community. Unfortunately, uh, the tendency will be that it is mainly the African communities that are touched, that are affected, which came to feeling that I had it's no longer about Afrophobia or xenophobia, but I do believe it's more likely to call it philophobia for the mere fact that when people ask me what is philophobia, I say it's the fear of love. And I think as individuals, uh, we tend not to love ourselves. And once you don't have the love of yourself, how is that possible you're going to transcend and share it when you don't have something? So basically, we need to educate people to love themselves first so that they can transfer it to other people and we can all live in peace and harmony for a better world. Luan, you talk about love of self, but all this you do in your kind of, as, as a volunteer, it needs to be stated that you are fully employed and you find nonetheless the time to work for um, Rights to Live Africa as well as be part of all these groups. But you also do, and you've mentioned earlier the work that you do with the Angel Network and the Jewish Board of Deputies in terms of humanitarian work. Can you tell me a little bit about that humanitarian work? Well, uh, first of all, I would like to say thank you to uh, the Jewish Board of Deputies, Wendy Kahn, um, Glyn Woolman for the Angel Network. Yourself, we have met at several occasions um, during these sessions. For me, it was mainly to bring uh, the migrant community and the South African community together. But in so doing, what we had to do is to create little activities. We had an activity that we are looking forward to see where we would train ladies, uh, mothers, to know how to bake and bake together because once you have bread, you can share bread, then you can share love. And if it is successful, it will be something that we can uh, do uh, across all these locations where you would train 10, 20 ladies to work together as a cooperative so that they could change. Uh, for me, it's not about making money, making interest, but it is hard to live together with the little that we have. In my society, in my tribe, become, I come from the Bende tribe, born and orphan, I understood that I am who I am today because there were people that surrounded me with love. And mainly when I work with the Jewish community, it's because the people who brought me up were Jewish ever since I was a child. They sponsored my studies, and here I am today. Even when they visit me from the United States, they say, wow, you continue the work you are doing in the Congo, saving people, helping people to overcome the difficulties. Difficulties will still be there, but how do we overcome and become human? Because it is very important that we are human. So what we do is to bring people together. One of the things that we have done with the uh, communities here is, for instance, when they work and they can save 50 rand or they can save 100 rand monthly, because sometimes we don't have access to banking, can they put that money together? If they can put that money together and be able to raise uh, that money to create something, when they say 
migrants are taking our job. Sometimes it's money that they put together so that with that money, they can create a little job, a little shop, a little spaza, and they can sell so that they can provide food on the table and the education for their children. And I do believe that's the way we can also transfer that skills of being together, raising the fund together, so that tomorrow we can create little project for our community, South African community, as well as the migrant community. What is important is working as a team to build a better world, build bridges of understanding. Cultures are different, but if we are able to build the bridges of understanding, I think we will cement the love that this world needs foster for peace, development, and infrastructure. Juan, what a beautiful way to end the interview. Thank you so much for joining me. And thank you for, for not only talking about humanitarianism, but um, explaining how we go about in creating a better world. So thank you very much for joining me. That was Juan Boissa, who is the chairperson of the Rights to Live Africa. And as you can also hear, a pan-Africanist and a human rights activist.